Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken from her. You have probably heard this passage of Scripture before if you've been around the church world for very long. And it is usually used as we talk about who's too busy for Jesus and who is not too busy for Jesus. And very often we make Martha the bad guy in this story. Like Mary is able to be a disciple and spend time with God. And here is Martha. She can't sit still. She doesn't care about being with Jesus. But the reality is, if we're being honest... We need Martha and we need Mary. Let me tell you, on Sunday morning without the Marthas, the doors don't get open, the lights don't get turned on, there's not heat and cool depending upon the time of year. There aren't bulletins, there aren't music to accompany our singing, there aren't screens up, there wouldn't be a meal in the bridge today. We need Marthas. And we all need to be active in putting feet to our faith of not just taking in information. Excuse me, it is allergy season, and I am in the throes of suffering. But we do have to put our faith into action. I'm reminded of a story of a pastor in Atlanta. Um, I was in a seminary class, and we were touring and looking at children's programs in larger churches. And as this pastor sat down and talked with us, he told us of canceling Sunday school on Sunday mornings. They couldn't get enough volunteers to help with the children and youth. They are having to beg and plead and cajole and nobody wants to do it. And he said, you know what? Then we're just not going to have adult Sunday school. Because you already know more than you're putting into action or we wouldn't have to beg people to help do things. So we're not going to, he said, I'm not going to facilitate you holding up and gathering more information you're not using. Sunday mornings, we will prioritize our children and our youth and adult discipleship groups will meet off campus on other days of the week. That's a bold statement. I was pretty impressed he was still their pastor after he made it. And that is what they did for a number of years. And then by the time we got there, they had settled into that. He said they only had one class that rebelled. One Sunday school class actually rented space in a local strip mall to have their Sunday school class before before church and before worship. But the idea is that as we know more, we do more. Our faith is shown in our actions. We don't earn our salvation, but we respond to the grace and the love of Jesus by the way we put it into action And we do things because of it. However, in today's world, I think we're much more in danger of Marthaing, to create a word on my own, than we are marrying. We are much more likely to be too busy, to be all about the doing and never about the being and the getting still. We've talked with this sermon series that we elevate the being busy. How much that it has become a badge of honor. Look how many things people want me to do. Look how busy I am. Look how needed I am. And I've already told you there's not a thing you could do to make God love you anymore. 
And there's not a thing you could not do to make God love you any less. If you are earning your value and your worth by what you're doing, then you are looking for your worth in the wrong places. And if your circle of friends and the people who validate you expect you to produce in order to be considered worthy to be in their circle of friends, then let's find you a new circle of friends. Because this constant rat race is not where God wants us to be. We need margin. And in our story today, Mary chooses to sit at Jesus' feet. Now we know from other stories in Scripture that Jesus becomes a good friend of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. They live in Bethany, which is just outside Jerusalem. So anytime Jesus comes to Jerusalem or near Jerusalem, he tends to stay with these two sisters and their brother. And he comes to love them dearly, and they love him. Lazarus is the brother that when he dies, Jesus resurrects him. And so here Jesus has come, and we're led to believe, come unexpectedly. Not a planned visit. He didn't send anybody ahead and say, hey, me and the whole gang are coming and going to pile in on you tomorrow. They just kind of show up. And Martha does what you do when that happens. You graciously open your doors, and you are hospitable. Anybody ever have somebody show up on your doorstep unexpected? We don't do as much of that now as we used to. But I can tell you the very first thing that runs through my mind is, what does my kitchen look like? Where's my laundry? Where all will they have to go? Will they have to go upstairs to the bathroom? Have I cleaned that up? I start running. I don't have anything to serve. Like maybe I have some tea. Maybe I can, maybe I can dig through the cupboards. And this is immediately what Martha does. In her culture, the women showed hospitality. They would have welcomed them in. I also believe that they are a non-traditional family. Because we have a brother and two female siblings. We have no mention of parents. We have no mention of spouses for either of them. That would have been unusual in their culture. And Martha cannot let go of the expectation of hospitality. I must feed them. I must give them something to drink. I must make them comfortable. This is our job. We're already odd. I don't need them to say we're also inhospitable. And she's frustrated because Mary is not meeting those cultural expectations. Because Mary has chosen to sit at Jesus' feet. And just so you know, to sit at a rabbi's feet was an idiom that was used to indicate a disciple, someone who is a student of that rabbi, sits at their feet. And it was unusual for women to sit at the feet of rabbis to get right in those discussions In the synagogues, the men usually gathered on the first floor and they would sit together and they would debate and discuss scripture and the women would sit upstairs and listen. There were certain areas when they went into the temple in Jerusalem, there were places that the women didn't go beyond this. There was the women's court. It was closer than the Gentiles' court, but it wasn't in the sanctuary proper where the men could go a little further in. But we know there were women among Jesus' disciples. Scripture tells us there was a group of women who traveled with Jesus and the twelve and the others and helped to pay for and take care of their needs. And when Jesus sends out the 70, it clearly seems to be a mixed group of people. But it still would have been unusual for Mary to have sat right there instead of helping be hospitable. I understand Martha saying, Jesus! 
Make her do the expected thing. And we sometimes feel that pressure. Do the expected thing. Work the extra hours. Go the extra mile. Get in there. Keep up with the Joneses. Stay busy. Feel every moment. But when we feel every moment, we can't take advantage of the things that present themselves to us in unexpected ways. Very often when we as clergy will plan out our days, and the day rarely ever goes as we plan it out, the phone call, the visit, the unexpected crisis, the new thing that comes up, and it changes the day, and it can be easy for us to get a little frustrated about that. And in seminary, professors and mentors would say, be very careful. What you think are interruptions to the ministry may very well be the ministry itself. My mind drifts back to the story of the Good Samaritan and how there is a man who has been beaten and mistreated and is in need of care. And as three people come along, the first two, a priest and a Levite, holy people, good people, all busy about their work for God, don't have time to be compassionate and caring. Is the third one, the unexpected one, who makes room, margin in his life to take care of the man who needs him. If our lives never have any margin, then we can't take advantage of those opportunities, whether they are for pleasure or whether they are to be with God. Very often when people talk about being really busy, one of the things they tell me is, I, I don't have time to do that Bible reading every day. I don't have time to do that Bible study every day. You want me to sit how long in a prayer chair for a time out and do what? Like, do you understand I have work and I have to do this and I have to go by the store and I have the children's activities and I have to... <sighs> we miss the wonderful opportunities. We miss being present in the moment. Because we're making the list. We're being sure of the next thing. We're always on to what's on the to-do list instead of just being here. Right now. In this moment. As we talked about Martha and Mary and the differences of the two. I think about how we look at others who choose to make margin. And one of the things we tend to do is call them lazy. Or that they lack ambition. Maybe they just don't want to run the rat race all the time. Had someone say to me recently, what if we created lives that we didn't want to escape from? What if we weren't constantly having to create countdowns, 62 days until vacation and I can get away from all of this and relax? What if vacation was extra additional margin, a time to travel, a time to savor even more. But we weren't trying to escape the life we had created. I think that life we don't want to escape from, that has meaning and purpose, and yes, hard work, but that we're not miserable in, is the life that God calls us to. I also think about how we look at the different generations. I'm going to tell a story on my son. It's been several years since um, he said this to me, so, and maybe he won't ever hear this. But I was raised by parents who were part of that greatest generation, the traditionalists. 
Um, they were born in 1917 and 1926. So I think more like a baby boomer than I do a Gen Xer, which is the generation that I'm in. And then I raise two millennials. So I am strewn all across the generations. And I know that for boomers, and even for my generation, it was a great thing. You finished high school and you went to college and you threw yourself into college. <laughs> Somebody is late for an appointment. But you threw yourself into college and you took full advantage of all the things that were going on in college. You got, you got deeply into the college scene. Then you graduated and you got out and you worked. And you worked while you built your house and you built your family and you saved and you earned and you were ambitious and you worked hard. And then you retired and you bought a motorhome and you enjoyed your life. Now you've earned it. All that work. That's what my parents did. And my son said, Mom, I don't think that's a realistic thing anymore. First of all, you can't just go to school because it costs so much to go to school. You'll be having to postpone retirement to pay off those school loans. So you're going to have to work and go to school. And when you get out and go to work, you're still going to have to be learning because technology changes and updates so fast. You can't just think you've learned it and you can spend the rest of your life. You have to continue learning. You have to be a lifelong learner. And I'm not sure that my generation is ever going to retire in the way that others have. I'm not sure that, that social security is going to be there. We may have to leave one career and pick up another career or keep working part-time in order to have a life. And I don't want to have never attended my child's ball game, recital, birthday party, to have had time to read with them, to take a walk with them, to have traveled with my wife, to have hiked and gone where we wanted to go, to have enjoyed life because I was waiting for what never comes, always looking for the next stage of life. And we talk about the millennials being lazy. I don't say that, y'all. Maybe what they have is a better idea of work-life balance. Maybe they want to enjoy every stage of their life and live with enough margin to take advantage and be present in the moment. I'm reminded that as we make room for God in these moments of quiet, as we search for those some of you younger ones won't remember. Now we change the radio. When you turn the knob, you get to 96.5, 96.7, 96.9. In the old days, when I was a little girl, you had to turn that knob and it gradually rolled across the bar. And you had to get it tuned in just right where there wasn't so much static that you couldn't hear anything on the radio. You had to tune in. I think God asks us to carve out enough margin that we can tune in to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. My experience is that very few people get a blinding light on a Damascus road like Paul did, and very few of us get a voice out of the heavens coming the way Jesus did after his baptism, that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it is more often the still, quiet, inner voice and God waits for us to turn down the noise, carve out the margin, and hear Him speak to us.
We all have moments we need to be Martha. As we're being Martha, just don't forget to be Mary in those moments as well. Thanks be to God. Amen. We are during this sermon series sending ourselves to a timeout. If you've raised children or watched anyone else raise children, you're familiar with the idea that sometimes you need a timeout. Maybe we are spiraling in our emotions and we need a moment to catch our breath. Maybe we're so in the middle of a crisis we can't see the solution and we need to take a breather. And sometimes we need to hear the voice of God. So as we come to the Lord together, I invite you to call to mind those things that you regret and you're worried about. We call it confession when we let go of regret about the past and we unburden our hearts. And then we remember the promise of God and the assurance that God will never abandon us no matter what, even when we are the ones who have been distant. And then in what we call petitions or prayer requests, we give to God and let go of worrying about the things we cannot change. We give to the one who can make a difference the things that we cannot control. I've told you that my hope is that you're designating a prayer chair in your home. And spending a little time in it every day to sit, to take a breath, to experience God's presence, and to ask God to hold you and all of those that you hold dear close. And so I invite you to close your eyes. You don't have to try to find words to fill this time of silence. It's also okay if your thoughts won't quiet down. Just take a moment to be still. There's nothing expected of you but to be here right now. is a friend who claims us cools the heat and slows the pace God it is who speaks and names us knows our being touches base making space within our thinking Lifting shades to show the sun Raising courage when we're shrinking Finding scope for faith begun Gracious God, 
for losing touch with the big picture and what's really important. Forgive us for the times when we've lived to work rather than worked to live. Forgive us. Help us be truly present to you, O God. Help us be mindful that our connection to you exists right here in the present. And putting off time to tune into you right now only robs us of the deep peace and assurance that you have to give us in this present moment. Here in this moment, we hear your promise as you say, I am always with you. It is never too late to make better choices. You do not ask us to give up our work, but you invite us to simply pay attention. We are your children, and we want to dwell with you. We bring our petitions to you this day, O Lord, and we lift up these people to you that we care about, that we love, that we are worried about, but who you can help us make a difference with. Louise Ballinger, Blair Calloway, Karen Harmon, Faye Jackson, Mary Grace Jordan, Carol Yakow, Linda Rainwater, Sarah Sloan, and Byron Wong. Lord, we ask for your healing touch to be with them, to hold them close to you, to give them strength and comfort, healing, peace, and perseverance where it is needed. This we ask in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ as we pray as he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we will continue to worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings. May you give generously back